0: Vegas, baby! Vegas! At the end of the game, you count up your money. That's how you find out who's bet. If all my bets were safe, there just wouldn't be any juice. 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 The point spreads. The prop bets. The teasers. The parlays. From Vegas to you. This is Behind the Bets. Welcome to the latest Behind the Bets podcast. We are taping this on Thursday, April 22nd. We are exactly one week away from the NFL draft. And... Wanted to bring on a guest who's not only a good friend of mine, but someone who understands both the draft and betting markets. His name is Adam Hill. First time here on the pod. He works at the Las Vegas Review Journal. He also does radio here in Las Vegas and used to be my co-host alongside Matt Newmans, who's been on this pod before on the Las Vegas Sports Line a radio show I used to host about 10 years ago or so we launched in Las Vegas when I used to live out here. So really good. Uh, Adam does mock drafts, really knowledgeable. And you know, guys, we've done this, we've talked about it, and I'm going to not flex here, but remember last week we had Tim Bontemps on the pod. I tried to get ahead of the market, share with you guys how, I don't know, much of a uh, the advantageous money lines were out there, whether it be Jokic MVP, LaMelo Ball, who's now minus money now that he's returning. And some of these guys were plugged in. They are plugged in. and The betting market just has not caught up yet. Bontemps did the straw poll. He obviously knows. I hope all you listened and reacted accordingly because we're seeing things move accordingly like Tibbs coach of the year is now five to one. I believe when we were talking, it was like 30 or 50 to one a week and a half ago. And then also things like defensive player of the year and six man. So hopefully uh, you guys all took advantage of that. If not, enjoyed the pod nonetheless, but coming up momentarily, we'll check in with Adam Hill. We'll talk about the difficulties of prop betting and why it's such a fluid market and why you should have concerns translates what some of these props are like the fine print. And then some of our top plays coming up in a moment. And a reminder to check out the Daily Wager podcast every day. We'll put you in and out in less than 10 minutes with what you need to know for that day's action. Money won is twice as sweet as money earned. Time now to welcome in a good friend of mine that I have picked the brain of for many, many years. Um, and first time here on the podcast, though, he works at the Las Vegas Review Journal, but he's the jack of all trades. at sports radio in Las Vegas. In fact, he is one of the co-founders of the Las Vegas Sports Line, which I have mentioned here. The old radio show I did with Matt Humans has been on the podcast a few times.
1: Adam Hill, how are you, sir? What a walk down memory lane that is, Doug. I know. What a throwback. Well, we've we've, we've incorporated Matt a few times
0: here on the pod, so I feel like our listeners know him. And uh, you've obviously done some, uh, some radio at VEASAN, and you do local radio here in Las Vegas, and you cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. You do your own mock draft, so I figured it'd be a good way to get you here because you also know betting – in and out because you grew up in Las Vegas. And so I figure there, obviously it's one, it's one thing to talk to draft experts. Another guy to another thing to drop to uh, draft experts who also understand betting. But here we are in the, in the world of the NFL draft where sports books are posting more and more props because of marketing and branding and free publicity. Right. But it's also made them vulnerable and there are opportunities on the draft betting menu. And there were probably more, opportunities at least larger opportunities in the past couple weeks but here we are approaching the draft we're a week away and you and i talked ahead of time and i just think it's i think you brought up a great point in terms of the need to kind of explain uh concerns and avoid landmines of what to do with draft betting because it's exciting and what we've been tracking it and to your point we should not treat a two-point favorite as gospel we also
1: should not be treating a mock draft As gospel as well. No, no, for sure. And and I think, you know, that's something that people fall into. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of things we're still learning about the draft betting market because it is so new. It was something that uh, was available, you know, offshore and in different markets and you could find numbers, Uh, but in Las Vegas, it's only a couple years old. And I think people uh, that are, you know, longtime bettors and longtime people that have been around Vegas are just starting to understand the markets a little bit more. Uh, And, you know, people nationally where sports betting. is just becoming legal. Uh, you're starting to understand it more. Uh, so it is kind of a new world, but like, I still hear people confused on the most basic basic of concepts in the draft, like draft position over-unders. If somebody's three and a half, you would think the under would be a bad thing. Like if they fall down the draft board, that's an under, but like- Yeah, no, they're lower over. on the draft board, yeah. Or, right. That's a bit confusing to people, I think still. So, so that's one thing. Um, I also think uh, when you start thinking about uh, you know, different uh, betting markets, like you you have to understand what they mean. Um, like we talked about a guy yesterday, and we'll have to get into him a little bit today. And Aziz Ojalary, who is listed as a linebacker in some places, he's an edge defender, a defensive end, but you have to understand like, Hey, if you're betting who the first linebacker is, he's considered a linebacker for betting purposes. That's kind of a, a different kind of concept. We have to uh, actually understand, Hey, the difference between defensive lineman and linebacker. Uh, that's a weird one. Uh, but I, I, just think you have to read the props too. Like there, there's some very specific wording of a lot of these, you know, who's the third pick isn't necessarily who is San Francisco going to pick. Like those are two different things. Cause San Francisco could trade out of that spot that they won't, but you know, those are the kind of things you have to really read. Uh, and then I think the, the last thing you were getting at there is, is the mock drafts and man, I think people so buy into a lot of these mock drafts that are out there and, you know, some of the really big time guys that have been doing it for a long time. And they're really good at it and they get a lot of good information, but like, don't just use that as gospel and say, well, Hey, this mock draft says that there's going to be three linebackers. So There's going to be three linebackers in the first round. Like you just don't know that for sure. The last couple of years in particular with no combine and not a lot of that information being shared. Uh, this is, this is kind of the wild, wild west. Like this is a totally different uh, scenario for even mock drafters who don't get that time. And, you know, I've been in Indianapolis and I, I see a lot of people that have been there you see the networking that goes on and the information that's exchanged, especially at bars late at night. Uh, those things are being discussed and talked about, and that's forming a lot of these opinions. We don't have that anymore. That's gone. So uh, I think last year we saw maybe the worst of the mock drafts uh, in terms of accuracy. And, and this year I expect kind of more of the same. A lot
0: of great points. Just to recap. So if it's under four and a half, that means it has the draft position has to be one, two, three, or four. So a top four pick. Very simple. Yes. Uh, I would highly advise taking screenshots of the index betting when they're saying, Hey, of these, who's the first linebacker taken? And it's the guy ends up being a D line, whatever it's, it's whatever the book, if worst case scenario, you'll get your money back. I would imagine. So very important. Take the screenshots. Uh, A lot of times these, these books or these skins are copying offshore places like a bet online that posted it. I don't know, a month and a half ago and took $50 max for the first two weeks. So these lines were like very, you know, stale, and there's just a way. So just protect yourself. The, the 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 defensive lineman slash linebacker thing is a really important thing, and the fluidity of these money lines, right? So you know, I was just looking up today's NBA card. You got the Spurs a nine point favorite. You know, they're minus three eighty on the money line, give or take, right? Minus four hundred, let's call it to keep it round numbers like that's not really going to move to $2, right? But you're going to see that kind of movement in a draft bet on one bet of a respected better a week out, maybe not the day of, but like a week out, you're going to see, we've seen some movement we'll get into momentarily. But I think the final point you made, Adam, is really most important. Last year's mock drafts were the quote unquote worst because you didn't have the, the alcohol at night, every night in <laughs> Indianapolis to, um, you know, to grease the wheel, so to speak. And you know how, people are but guys are in terms of machismo they almost want to one-up each other in conversation so they'll share what their kind of or information they heard and that's where the best guys in the business whether it be mel todd and others can kind of connect dots like they know who's basically in like every company like every workplace you know whose guys are connected to who or who's your champion within the workplace and you can connect dots you can kind of they they've gotten really good at piecing it all together. Now, that's not to say that no one's communicating, but it's just different. It's easier yeah. to do stuff, read body language, kind of scoop some stuff or even see people talking. There's just that much goes on. So just proceed cautiously.
1: Yeah, some of those some of those St. Elmo's dinners are yes. just legendary and like even if you're not sharing actual information, you could have a, you know, a scout or a GM from a team uh, that has a couple of uh, glasses of wine with their steak at St. Neville's and they're like, man, I love that kid today. And they, they might, they, you know, they just might let their inhibitions down a little bit more than they would normally. Uh, those are the kind of things that end up kind of really being useful information. And I think we didn't see any of that the last couple of years. So as funny as it sounds, uh, I think it's actually, there's actually some truth to it. Sure. And it's really the after the the dinner that really gets going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's, yeah. I think the
0: conversation with all these drafts, and we're not going to get into the nitty gritty of where the props aren't really offered everywhere. We're going to try to keep it pretty macro here, but I think it all starts with the number three pick, right? We've seen some fluidity with this. Obviously it was all about Justin Fields and then it became Mac Jones and then it became Trey Lance and then back to fields. And uh, how do we have such certainty with this at all? Like how do we know who's going to, who, where the value is?
1: Yeah I mean I think I think it's a great question and I think it starts you know we assume the third pick is the first pick that's interesting in this draft um, like how do we know on any of them Trevor Lawrence is kind of a dead giveaway he's been the number one pick forever the Jaguars really haven't been secret about uh, you know that they're taking him like it's going to happen he's going to yeah, be- Urban Meyer's not taking that job without that certainty. Right, right we get that but like the number two pick we all just kind of and when i say we all like everybody that does mock drafts and and everyone that kind of covers the sport is like well they've they like zach wilson they're taking zach wilson zach wilson's the second pick there's enough indications there that that's true but we've just assumed that it's gospel like yeah that's done they're taking wilson i i i would be absolutely floored and stunned if they don't uh but that's just kind of how these things happen of like every opinion just kind of coalesces around and you say okay well that's what's going to happen here uh it's what's going to be done, and that sort of happened with Mac Jones with the third pick where everybody just kind of said, well, you know, they, they went to uh, his pro day. They started, they kind of fell in love with him. He's the kind of quarterback that the Niners really like. Uh, they traded up so clearly they're taking a quarterback. It's Mac Jones. And for a while, like everybody just assumed it was Mac Jones. And then it all of a sudden- It never felt right for me. It never felt right. Me neither. And and I know we, we talked about this and, you know, my mock draft, a couple of mock drafts ago, I've done four now, uh, but the second or the third one, Uh, I just wrote in there, like, Mac Jones isn't the kind of quarterback. While while I think Mac Jones is is going to be a good quarterback, I don't think there's a whole lot of excitement about him, and he's not the kind of quarterback you mortgage your future to move up to select. Bingo. third pick. Uh, I just don't see that being the case. Justin Fields, I think, is a a much more talented quarterback. Uh, I think the the upside is higher. Uh, I just think he's a better prospect. Uh, I I always felt Justin Fields was uh, the pick there, um, and I thought there was a lot of, you know, misdirection and kind of, you know, throwing some, th- some false, uh, premises out there, uh, for the, for the 49ers. And, and so then all of a sudden it just kind of changed and the opinion changed. And then it went to, it went to Justin Fields. And then they kind of, ba- people kind of backed off that a little bit. If you watch the market. So he went to kind of a, you know, kind of a big favorite. And now he's down to just a slight favorite, uh, to be the third pick I've thought it was Justin Fields all along. I have a pretty good number. Uh, in pocket on him at plus 250. Um, I, I know that, you know, other people have really good numbers on Mac Jones uh, out there to be the first pick. So if you have a really good number on a guy, I think that you right now you're just very happy uh, because it could go either way. Uh, but I don't know that you could bet Justin Fields now uh, right. based on where he is. Now, this, you know, th- in the last 24 hours, we've had the new the new update that he's suffering from epilepsy. And that maybe there's some concern among some NFL teams. Like these are the kind of things that make draft betting so insane. Uh, Cause we'll see if this moves the market at all. People are scared off of Justin Fields at all because of this. I'm not, uh, it seems to be uh, a, a lot of, uh, you know, a, a case where he's had it managed. He has medication. And as long as he has the medication, he's going to be fine. The doctors believe he's going to grow out of it. Like the rest of his family has, I don't think it's a huge deal. But sometimes the market does think it's a big deal. So watch and make sure if there's a big swing uh, on the betting here, if there's a big swing in the market, maybe Justin Fields does provide some value. But uh, right now, I just don't know if you could bet him just because he could have got such a better value two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point. I'm glad you went that route because our listeners don't care too much how much we have in pocket. It's good to mention (laughs) for perspective and background, but it's about from now forward. So I I do have Mac Jones plus 750, and I'm not even that excited about it (laughs) it because I don't think he's going three. Now, look, if he's an elite processor, that's the sort of the same as like being a mobile quarterback. You can just, you know, get getting to him. Is that much more difficult? I look, I have a couple contacts in the league. I ask them questions, not about their team, but what they're hearing. And if he's an elite processor, then it's worth it. So we'll see what happens. But as of this point, no, there's, there's not a play I'm going to make on those three. To your point about number two, like, you know, there's, there's a connection with Robert Sala obviously having been the former DC with the Niners and the two and three pick, right. He's a new coach of the jets. So there's a little bit of more gamesmanship I would imagine between the two, but you know, the draft kind of starts at two, even though I said three earlier, you just don't know. Um, But maybe you do know, I I received a text since we've started taping from someone uh, in, you know, I work with and they're like, it's a lock. And you can use the emoji of a lock in terms (laughs) of uh, Wilson at two. So uh, just, just throwing it out there. Okay. So where is the value at this point, right? So the market's moved quite a bit and you have to wonder where the, where, where things are. I, I want to go to this, um, you know, four. like it's what, what the Falcons are going to do now, obviously they could trade, but there it comes down to whether the ownership is going to get their way or the front office is going to get their way because I like pits. Um, and by the way, if there's some huge money lines out there, you might as well just go put Pitts first tight end minus 1,000. If you're itching to lay lumber and get quote-unquote <laughs> guaranteed money, that's the only thing that I would do in terms of huge money line because there is not another tight end that's going to go ahead of him and just make sure it's classified as a tight end with Pitts. Obviously, he is if he's on the index betting. But I think Pitts as the first non-quarterback to go, that would be my play. There's some flat money plus 100. It's minus 110 at DraftKings. I think that's where I would go just because I think there's some depth at offensive line. And I do think Pitts is a talent you can't really pass up if you're the Falcons, even the Bengals. If he falls to five, I think the Bengals have to think about it, even over Chase. Even though I know
1: uh, Burrow has a connection there with the LSU uh, commonality. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I mean, I, I think he's the kind of you know game changing prospect uh, that that you would absolutely have to say, hey, if he's on the board when we pick, if we're not picking a quarterback, uh, that's where we'd have to look and think about. But again you know, to, to, to point out how you approach draft betting, you're not necessarily betting who the Falcons are going to pick. If you're picking, if you're betting the fourth pick, or if you're betting um, one of these, one of these bets, it's who, you know, who is going to pick, be picked in that fourth spot. So the Falcons could trade out Uh, if they do, it'd probably be a quarterback. Uh, So then if the Falcons do trade out because somebody wants to jump up and take a quarterback and the Falcons don't want to do it, uh, then all of a sudden you're looking at the fifth pick, as you said, who do, the, who do the Bengals go with? Say four quarterbacks went first, right? Say somebody drafts, trades up, drafts a quarterback. Now the Bengals have to decide who that player is that's the first non-quarterback. You're going to be pulling in all these directions. Clearly, you'd, you'd want some protection for Burrow. We saw what happened to him last year, although I do think that they've got a pretty decent tackle situation uh, in Cincinnati. They more need to build the interior of the offensive line. Uh, do they go with Joe Burrow's preferred choice in Jamar Chase? Or do you take, take that transformational guy in Pitts? Like, I think it would be Pitts. So I think there is value in, um, you know, the first non-quarterback being Kyle Pitts. Uh, I think that is a pretty good bet to make. But, but just keep in mind, you're not, you're not necessarily betting, like, who the Falcons are taking. Uh, you are betting potentially who the Bengals are taking or, you know, uh, whatever happens with potential trades there, which could complicate some things. But I do think Pitts is good, good value right now to be that first non-quarterback
0: roughly on draft day, how many trades do we see at the top? I mean, teams trade down and obviously we can see a trade between now and draft day. We have a week to go, but how often do we
1: see that kind of movement? Let's just say the final week. Yeah. I mean, I I, like draft day is the day we usually see a lot of it last year. We really didn't see a whole lot. And I was wondering if, you know, until the second half of the first, year we saw a little bit more, but teams were kind of picking where they were. And I, I thought maybe that was part of what we talked about earlier of just the process was so different. Uh, there was there wasn't necessarily um, a lot of understanding what other teams were going to do. Maybe the networking was a little different than it had been in the past. Uh, maybe you just didn't have a feel for, hey, I like this guy, but I don't know if I love him because I didn't have the same time around him. I didn't have you know that one on one time. Uh, so maybe I'm not going to sacrifice a bunch of picks to move up because of the the, the weird nature
0: uh, of how the the or they didn't really like how they performed in rock, paper, scissors. I mean, I think
1: that's, that's really the uh, deciding factor for a lot of teams. I will tell you, that's a big one that uh, I didn't take into consideration. And uh, I think maybe I have to redo my whole mock draft uh, yeah, based on, <laughs> on all Come that. On. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, you know, I, we talked about it. You know, I co- you said I cover the Raiders. And, and we've talked a lot about this with uh, Mike Malik and John Gruden. Though, you know, they are guys that like to, you know, go in there and not only watch a guy throw, but take him to dinner and see how he acts at dinner, see how he responds to just a normal, you know, conversation in in a setting like that. Like, those are things you don't really think about from the outside, but it is kind of important to some of these teams, and some teams value that more than others, and look at that more than others, but I think maybe we're in a position last year where, you know, if I don't, if I'm not 100% convinced on a guy, and I haven't been able to spend time around him, uh, I might draft him, but I might not be willing to, you know, trade a bunch of assets to move up to draft him. Uh, And so I don't know if that continues this year was a little bit better this year in terms of access, uh, but it was still a little bit of an off year. So uh, maybe we see that slow down the trade market a little bit now in the the later round, every year
0: is different too, right? Every year is different. And depending on how the Niners go at three, that could start a domino effect for other teams wanting to trade up with the Falcons.
1: And and it depends, you know, what happens that fourth pick in particular, we just talked about it. Um, If the Falcons stay there and pick somebody else, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But as you start to move, like, it gets really intriguing because there's not a whole lot of teams that are necessarily interested in quarterback. We don't think uh, for the next few picks. I mean, the lions could do it. uh, The Panthers could do it, but they both just traded for quarterbacks. Um, You know, there's teams that might take a quarterback, the Broncos we think probably will. But then if there's, if there's two quarterbacks left on the board, we might start to see some teams really angling like a Chicago or a Washington uh, to move up and jump ahead of like the Patriots uh, to get a quarterback. So that's where trades can come in. But I think, in general, you're going to be see, seeing teams targeting a quarterback to move up, maybe not necessarily any other position. All right, so
0: really, really smart, and it kind of revisits what something you mentioned earlier. It's not like who the Patriots – it's who do the Patriots going to draft so they could move up and draft someone. And that's where you get some value, right? You could hope for a trade up, and so a team that's currently slotted, I don't know, at 15, you might be able to get good odds at Mac Jones – because maybe he slips to nine and they trade up to 15. So you might be getting like 15 to one because the odds are set that like, no way Mac Jones falls to 15. Well, you're going to need a trade to make that happen, but that's why you're getting nice payout in some of the index bettings. So again, it's about the specifics and the details. Who's this team going to draft or who's going to go with this number? And that really matters, especially when you get into the 11s, the 12s, the 13s, a guy like Devonte Smith, 11 and a half over under things along those lines. All right. So we haven't given out a ton of picks yet. Adam and I think we need to get into that, or All our right. listeners are going to get upset. So uh, <laughs> the natives will get restless. So what 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 are some good like medium to long shots that are out there? I, I mentioned index betting, like the first line, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, I've talked on air on TV about you know Penny Sewell likely going to be the first uh, offensive lineman, but you could have got like eleven to one on Slater at some point. Now that's come down; he's like three to one right now, and Sewell's about minus six fifty, no longer value there but something along that we get some like you know because you mentioned the Raiders I mean look they when they drafted Farrell a couple years ago that was out of nowhere so there is um there is a way to go about this where there's going to be some curveballs out there
1: sure and and I think uh let me go right to the linebacker market because I think yeah let's do it very interesting um Michael Parsons is minus 550 right now uh the last number that I saw uh on him he is the best linebacker in the draft. And, and I heard some, some dissenters yesterday that were uh, bringing up some other guys. Uh, to me, he's absolutely no question about it. The best linebacker in the draft. Uh, and it is rightfully a big favorite to be the first linebacker off the board. But there are definitely some question marks about Michael Parsons off the field. There's, you know, I guess we're calling it maturity issues now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been some things that have happened uh, with Michael Parsons that teams might be concerned about. And might cause him to slip down the draft board. And again, we don't know. Uh, teams might be saying, hey, we don't care about those things. and might take them anyway. I don't know what's what's really there. But I do know that there there could be some value in some other guys to go ahead of Micah Parsons. So that minus 550 is a little bit silly. Um, Owasu Koromoa is at plus 550. Uh, that is a guy. Excuse me. I actually saw uh, uh, plus 750 on him. So. Okay. A plus 750. Like, do I think he's going to be picked ahead of Parsons? Not necessarily, but man, I think it's a lot closer uh, than those odds would indicate. So, I think that might be worth a shot. And then, uh, you could so also have first, first linebacker, first linebacker to be taken off the board. And again, you have to be careful who's considered a linebacker, who's not, depending on uh, where you shop around. But for the most part, uh, books are considering uh, Aziz Ojalari, who I mentioned earlier, as a linebacker. He's an edge defender. So it's kind of that hybrid spot, uh, and he's at plus nine dollars. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of kind of smoke starting to circulate around him as really rising up the draft boards. Uh, I I have seen some pretty good indications that even the Giants are interested in potentially taking him. Now that might involve trading down, but uh, I think if you have a guy like that who is just—he's really right now a one-trick pony. He is just a guy to go get the quarterback. But I think he does have the kind of potential that could develop into a little bit better of an all-around player. Uh, okay, but-
0: so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt. just So, yeah, again, so plus 900, like uh, DraftKings has $7, but if there's 900, that translates to 10%. So, right, it's 100 over, and then you add 100 to the denominator. So 900 plus 100 is 1,000. So that's, that's 10%. So if you think there's a better than 10% chance, he's your first linebacker taken. And, again, take a screenshot of the index. At least you have just protection there, if you will, especially for field bets um that's that that's value per se plus nine dollars and it's obviously fun in some places like DraftKings I don't know because they're not legal in Nevada so I don't know how that works but you can hmm. like parlay a lot of this stuff as long as they're not completely correlated you, we see that on Twitter and everything these these, these props that are five bucks into like 50,000 so there's ways to have some fun and do that as well what's a, what's another one so you have the linebacker D line thing that's a really um specific one defensive back you think Sertan not only could be the first DB but could be the first defensive player off the board I think Farley at 14 to 1 as the first DB would be good value but I think there's a way that obviously there's it all depends you know what number you get it at
1: sure and that's very important you know when we talk about these if you're if you're seeing numbers that are even better uh then then that makes it even more interesting in some of these spots but uh yeah to me Caleb Farley is the best uh corner in the draft and there, there could be some conversation and some, and some possibilities there. Uh, if a team trusts the medicals more than, you know, some others and, you know, keep in mind, Caleb Farley just had a back procedure and there's a lot of questions about him falling uh, because teams are concerned about that, but Hey, maybe a team out there says we've seen the medicals, we trusted the medicals. We think he's fine. Uh, and he is still the best player on the board. Maybe somebody drafts him. It only takes one team. That's the really interesting thing about the draft. Like all these opinions could be in one direction. And then all of a sudden, one team says, no, 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 we feel somewhat different. And, and I, I referenced the Raiders last year. The Raiders may have been the only team in the league that had Henry Ruggs right. at, the top, right. at the top of their wide receiver draft board. And so while, every, while you might have been right as a, you know, as a better, as an observer, to say, well, Jerry, Judy's, is, Jerry Judy should be the number one guy. And maybe you were. But you know the Raiders are the one team that, that liked Henry Ruggs. And they said, Henry Ruggs is our number one guy. And I believe uh,
0: so, he opened 50 to one at Caesars
1: William Hill to be the first wide receiver drafted uh, so, so yeah, that, that's something to keep in mind. Like, it's not like the outcome of a game. Uh, this is, you know, 99% of opinions could be one way and it just takes that one team making the decision and saying it's the other way. So, so yeah, uh, t- taking a shot on Caleb Farley, uh, to be the first guy, uh, if one team out there trusts in the medicals and they decide to make him the guy, uh, then all of a sudden you win your bet. So that's that's definitely uh, one to look at. Um, I also saw, and again we talked about Michael Parsons. It could be the same way. While we're while we can fade him at minus five fifty to be the first linebacker, uh, maybe you want to take a shot that he is uh, somebody that goes high, and you can get a plus one ninety that he's the first defensive player. And could he go ahead of Sertan? Sure, uh, that's absolutely possible. So. You know the numbers kind of dictate where you go with a lot of these two. Uh, you don't want to lay five fifty 50 as the first linebacker, but do you want to take a shot at almost plus two dollars that he's the first defensive player? Possibly. Uh, that's something that you could look at. Um, I, I I'm with you that Caleb Farley probably provides some value as well as first defensive player off the board uh, yeah. plus twenty eight hundred. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, first defensive player would be
0: twenty eight to one. First DB I see I've seen fourteen to one.
1: Yeah, which is very interesting.
0: And much like, you know, Mac Jones got dismissed for the Heisman campaign in terms of um, just being at Alabama, surrounded by talent. There's a little bit of that with Sertan as well. Maybe it's also name branding as well. Um, But just, hey, you're on that defense of Alabama. You're surrounded by studs. You know, it's just not the same as facing just a conventional defense that maybe only has two or three NFL guys. That's on the high end, obviously, some of those SEC defenses. So it could be some some dismissing of Sertan and some caution there. But I think you raised a good point about the rugs thing, and not just because it's the same position of wide receiver, but it really only takes one person. You and I talked last night. I'm like, look, I've seen some minus 650 for Jamar Chase to be the first wide receiver taken. Obviously, Pitts is a tight end. And you're like, yeah, he's likely, but maybe th- you, you've you heard, like, what, five teams that prefer Waddle or Smith over Chase. And it just so happens that those five teams are near the end of the draft, And
1: but what if they trade up? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's something to monitor. Now, again, uh, this is all games because the teams are thinking the same things. I think we are a lot of times of, well, okay, if they like chase better, maybe we let them select and take chase. And then, you know, one of the other guys falls to us, but maybe they're just lying and they're saying they like chase, like it's a whole game. It's a shell game that's going on. That's why it becomes very, very tricky to bet these and why it's so important to just find value, find, put yourself in good positions, find value throughout this have you know have enough uh, options in your betting uh that you can you know have some have some have some fun but also have a really good chance to win but don't go crazy of like hey every mock draft i've seen has discovered this, this guy so i'm betting this for sure well you might be you might be laying a lot on you know, some opinions that aren't shared by those teams that are drafting. So it just becomes kind That's of tricky.
0: Right. And there's nothing for sure. But I will say the market is slower to move than you would imagine. I We did a podcast last week on the MVP voting. We had a straw poll. Tim Bontemps was on. And I was like, Jokic is out there. And he was saying Lamelo's is going to return soon. Lamelo plus money for rookie of the year. And sure enough, it took a few days. And now Jokic is like minus 400, minus 500. There's even some $3 out there I would recommend as well. But in terms of this, like, Sometimes you just want to grab value. Like, you know, even for next year, I grabbed, like I said earlier, Sewell over five and a half and minus Oh five. When you started to see the quarterback, there's a domino effect, right? So once Jones moves up and, you know, fields is up there and maybe even Trey Lance, you start to do the math and be like, wait a minute, you can figure this out that over five and a half is probably good value. Now I can just scalp it. And I'll probably do that because I don't know what the Bengals are going to do, but either way, there is a domino effect elsewhere in the market where you can kind of connect some dots and still find some value and just grab it you can always play out of it it's a fluid market couple other plays adam i want to get to before we wrap things up and just like the running back situation i think harris is going to be the first running back just he showed his dual threat capabilities in the championship game he's not just a um you know just a Bulldozer, uh, he can catch out of the backfield. Now, Etienne has probably got more breakaway speed and all that, but I feel like I've seen some one minus 145s out there. I do think that's a play I would make for Najee Harris being the first running back taken. Now, whether you agree, I'm asking you that, and also where he goes, because there are some props out there, whether or not we're going to see any running back in the first round.
1: Yeah, I, I'm more interested in that. I will say, uh, don't discount Javante Williams, who I that's a good uh, point. I, I really like. Uh, really, it was really, really good player. Does didn't have the same kind of hype uh, collegiately because he wasn't on you know as good of a team. But uh, I think Devontae Williams is really, really good. Could be that guy as well. Uh, but I don't think there's going to be a first-round running back this year. Um, a couple teams you know could have some interest in other bills. We we'll talk about it. the Steelers. Have talked about it. But the Steelers have too many holes on the offensive line. The Dolphins with a second first-round pick uh, could be in that mix as well. Uh, but I, I just don't see it, and I, I'm going with the over uh, 28.5 for Najee Harris's draft selection. Um, I think you have two chances here. One is if no running backs are taken, obviously you win. Uh, but the other one, I, I can't see multiple running backs being taken before then. And if some other team likes ATN or likes Williams and they take him, uh, then Najee Harris might fall even a little bit more. So um, while I do think Najee Harris will be the first, uh, I think it'll be after uh, the twenty 28- eight or after the 28 so that would be over uh, the 28 and a half that's where uh, that's where i'm looking for there and if you can find a no running backs in the first round prop uh i have not seen one specifically but i'm sure they're out there there's many many books that are uh, posting props every day on this uh I, I might be interested in that too which i imagine would be a plus price since harris's selection is 28 and a half over under uh, you should get a plus price on no running backs in the first round which uh, i like what about the quarterback thing? So it obviously
0: opened four and a half, and then the over was huge, and now they just moved it to five and a half with the under heavily juiced. We've seen teams move up in the draft to the end of the first round to get a QB just because the way the uh, the salary structure works, if you your first-round pick, the team option for a fifth year, correct me if I'm wrong on that. So there's incentive there. We saw that with Jordan Love last year with the Packers. We've seen it yeah. in previous years with other QBs. Um, you know, a lot of times these teams can't help themselves. They just need to get that, that quarterback, if you will. And is there value at the plus three fifty or whatever it is that over five and a half QBs in the first round?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think there could be, and again, it's, it's the potential of trades, right? Where, um, we, we look at the draft and if you look at a lot of mock drafts and you say, well, after the Patriots, there's not really a team necessarily that likely to, to go grab a quarterback. So once you get past that potential, you know, if Mac Jones falls or if Trey Lance falls to the Patriots, they pick them there. And then that's the fifth quarterback. And we're we're stuck on five. And we don't get to that sixth number. Um, but as you mentioned, there are teams that like to trade into that end of the first round to grab a quarterback that you can have under team control for an extra year. Uh, that's what you'd have to look for because don't don't just dismiss it and say, well, nobody after the Patriots is gonna pick one. You don't know who's gonna be there. Like somebody could trade up there and and get that end of the first round. Uh, bonus year that that we're just talking about so uh, be alert uh, that that could happen I don't love any of the other quarterbacks going in the first round uh, but I'm not betting it under uh, for for that reason we just talked about (laughs) right so so if you think a team might jump up and grab one there might be value there on that on that plus price Uh, it's not the one I'm most interested in but um, that that's the way I would lean on that prop for sure
0: all right any final plays before we let you let you go
1: yeah, uh Trey Lance over six and a half draft position. That means picked seventh or later. Um, at plus money. I, I just saw uh at one book here in Vegas. So uh at a plus price, I will absolutely bet that he's gonna fall. I do think he falls. Um again, some somebody can trade up and get him, but I, I think that there's a that there's a chance that there's enough concerns about him uh that he doesn't go in the top five and then I certainly don't think the the Dolphins would. They could trade out of it. But I I think Trey Lance falls a little bit. Um, I have him going ninth uh, to the Broncos. I think that's about uh, a good vicinity for him to go in. So at plus money, I'm definitely taking the over six and a half uh, on Trey Lance. I also really, really like uh, cornerbacks drafted in the first round over four and a half. That's minus 110 both ways. Um, Sertan, Horn, Farley, I think are locks to go in the first round. Uh, Then you've got guys like Asante Samuel. And Greg Newsom, that I think are very likely first-round picks as well. Uh, I really, really like the over there. Um, I liked the over on the wide receivers as well, but that number has just gotten completely out of control. Um, you know, four and a half over minus two eighty. I just saw, so uh, no longer interested in that one. But the over in the cornerbacks and the over in the Trey Lance draft position uh, are two that I really like that are on the board right now. Any team-specific? large payouts. Like I know
0: Broncos linebacker plus three fifty. So if they do like drew lock, they could go linebacker and you get three and a half to one. I, I do like Vikings offensive line plus 100. Um, Kuiper wrote about, it. he's like, I've done four mocks. They need offensive line. They're likely going to do that. If you can get even money on something like that, I would do, I wouldn't lay big juice. Like you were talking about earlier, anything worth a flyer. Like, I don't know, like you said, like a lion's quarterback You that you wouldn't think because they just traded for Goff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a possibility. Um, I, and and when you're talking about the Vikings, I would be a little bit a little bit uh, skeptical, uh, maybe on the offensive line, especially if. Um, and, and this is this is with the Raiders too. Like, there's three I think elite uh, offensive tackles, mm-hmm. and then there's kind of a fall off, and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of guys. that are really deep draft for offensive tackles, so uh, there's some really good ones. But I don't know that if the if three are off the board at that point when the Vikings pick, uh, I don't know that they necessarily force it. Gotcha. So I, I think uh, they've talked a lot about edge defender that they really need to get to the quarterback. They they did address that a little bit uh, in the offseason, but um, they're also a team that I think might be willing to take a shot on shot on a Michael Parsons uh, to just be like, hey, listen, he's an, he's such an elite player. We could you know if he comes in here and. Um, and it can fit and you know, Zimmer has taken a shot on guys in the past. Uh, if he comes in there and, and they can make him fit, you all of a sudden could have a, you know, a top end uh, linebacker uh, that you just add to the mix of your defense that could do everything. So uh, th- that's a team that I, I, I think could look the other way defensively. Um, but yeah, I, I think some of those are just so tough. Uh, I, I, I would suggest just kind of scrolling through and, and just looking and saying like, hey, I could see this team taking, you know, this player. Uh, why not take a shot on you know a guy that's you know a position that's you know plus a thousand or plus twelve hundred and hey maybe especially they just-
0: if they trade down right especially yeah. if they trade down because so much of this index betting pricing is connected to where they are slotted right now but that can obviously change and, you know we are for example and then, then there's crazy stuff like we are just talking about a quarterback in the fifth you know plus three fifty to over five and a half well you can get mills at thirteen to one to be drafted in the first round now obviously Kellen Mon would make you lose both but like there's things like that so there's just ways to kind of flush it out and find the value where one market has moved but the other hasn't and there are just opportunities like that so that's a little bit of a educational uh tutorial to nfl draft betting and really all drafts and uh maybe race, prepare you a little bit better for next year and then we got, we gave out a few plays today as well
1: yeah and, and i think uh be careful like don't don't, don't listen, don't never bet your house on anything, but don't bet your house on the NFL draft. Yeah. It's
0: exciting. Fun, so fun. I, I can see, I can, I can see
1: as anyone getting prisoner of the moment, if you will, but <laughs> you know, be excited watching not, not necessarily betting. This is definitely more fun than uh, than investment, I think in a lot of ways, but there are, there are good bets out there. There are good solid bets that you could try to make, but, but again, so much can change and so much is fluid. Uh, I'd be a little bit uh, cautious with the, with how I approach my draft betting. Well, my friend, we usually talk this stuff over some steak,
0: maybe some beverages. It was good to do it over some microphones and uh, good to get you on here. It's been uh, uh, too long that we weren't uh, behind the mics together because I know we go way back. Like you said, memory
1: lane. That was those were some fun, fun years. Oh, yeah. Uh, what? A, what? Back when we thought, you know, nobody was ever going to talk sports betting because <laughs> it was such a taboo and we were the only ones that were going to do it. A little bit ahead of the game there maybe a little too early Doug. yeah we, they weren't ready for us they weren't yeah. ready for us uh,
0: yeah. all right my friend thanks i know you're really busy you got a bunch going on with all the sports uh, overlapping here in las vegas appreciate the time
1: yes sir anytime <laughs> that's some sweet action and i don't want any sweet action oh, I couldn't
0: do it. i got a gambling problem all right that's going to do it for this edition of the behind the bets podcast thanks to adam hill Uh, go check him out on Twitter. And he's very active on social media. He is also a funny, funny man. And he, uh, very self-deprecating and all that good stuff, but a lot of good information. He's everywhere. Whether it be golden Knights, Raiders games, the man is works more hours than anyone. I know he barely sleeps. So he is an absolute machine. And, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the pod. We're going to try to do another one next week. I know the, uh, the draft betting is off the board early about a day or so in advance. So we'll try to do that ahead of time. If not, we'll have another hopefully good topic there. But until then, best of luck this weekend. No UFC pod, but enjoy that. And just a reminder, we do have a Daily Wager podcast Monday through Friday. Go subscribe to that feed. It's different than the Behind the Bets feed. In and out in 10 minutes, we have plays that day. And of course, the Daily Wager show every night, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific on ESPN2.